Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Nelson, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Both on and off the field, here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome Welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in the Utopia Football Podcast. we got a lot of stuff to get to on the show today. Great to be with you. It is playoff time and the Houston Texans are in the dance. We will, uh, we'll, we'll do a more hardcore preview of the Browns and the Texans on our Thursday episode this week, as we always do. But we got some some general news and notes to get to. We have some actual news from uh, from the Texans that we're going to get into as well. And, of course, we've got a handful of your mailbag questions that we'll sink our teeth into as well on the podcast today. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. And I am joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, how are you? I'm great. People in Houston, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville are rejoicing because the Titans fired Mike Vrabel, one of the best coaches in the NFL. Now he's out of the division. That'll be good for the other teams, including the Texans. I thought it was a terrible mistake. Yeah. Why? Okay. And and we're gonna get into the we're gonna get into the Texan stuff here in a second. But I'm glad you brought this up because this does, you're right. This does affect the Texans because um, they play. Tennessee twice a year and they're in the division with them. Um, why did they fire him, John? I have no idea. I don't know who the owner, Amy Adams Strunk, consulted before she did it, just like when she fired her general manager, John Robinson, during the season last year. There was never an explanation given that I heard from anybody on or off the record. And I know. Adam Schefter said she was unhappy with the division record uh, because it had been really bad over the last two years. Well, it was bad because the team was bad. 
Uh, they, they offensive line was awful. They had one receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. They lost Jeffrey Simmons for the year. They got rid of Kevin Bayard, their their best defensive back, and uh, they lost I think six games by three points. I thought he did a better job than he was when he was coach of the year two years ago when they had home field advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, the um, the tweet, all the tweets I've seen like reporting this firing John had been like Mike Vrabel fired immediately shoots to the top of the list of available coaches. I'm like, okay, well something's wrong here. If you fired somebody and the the reports are he's now an A-list candidate for all the other openings out there, you probably did the wrong thing, I would say, right? I would think most people up there think it was the wrong thing. He'd had a lot of critics, but anybody that didn't know that roster, the draft choices that John Robinson had, John Robinson traded A.J. Brown. He didn't want him traded. Traylon Burks was drafted. He hadn't done it anywhere near an impersonation of A.J. Brown. So it's not Vrabel's fault, the fact that they played so many close games, including losing to the Texans on Kaimi Fairbairn's 54-yard field goal with no time left in overtime, to me is a testimonial to the good job he did going 6-11. John, do you, last thing on the Titans here, I, that's a team now where I would blindly, without even seeing what the number is, I would take the under on wins for the Titans next year. That's got the makings for. I mean, every year there's a, a you know, every year there's a two and fourteen team, a couple of three and thirteen, or you know what I mean. Well, however, however many seventeen games, two and fifteen, three and fourteen, a few four win teams. Like that's the level they're gonna. I'm I am supremely confident that the Titans are going to be on that level next year. They were already trending in that direction. Now Derrick Henry's gone. Tannehill's going to be gone. It's going to be the Will Levis show with his second offensive coordinator in two years. We don't even know how good Levis was to begin with. And yeah, Vrabel was the one kind of head coach that always seemed to do more with less. And those are hard guys to find, John, especially, you know, brand new guys coming in like that. I think that's the Titans team. I would blindly bet under, I'm guessing their total will be like six or something, five and a half, six, something like that next year. I'd go another, under. It feels like a three or four win team. Another thing they did was when Baltimore was a top seed, they upset Baltimore in the playoffs. And uh, but anyway, um, and new coach, he may not like Will Levis. He may have had Will Levis graded lower, and uh, he may want a new quarterback up there. He may want to go with a veteran. You never know. Rand Cawthorn, who just finished his first season as general manager, there were things in the media up there that they didn't get along. Well, a lot of Coaches and GMs don't get along when it comes to personnel decisions, as long as they don't make it personal and keep it professional. But uh, there was another report by a longtime guy who covered the team, said Vrabel wanted them to hire somebody over him and Cawthorn to have final say on personnel. Because it looks like neither one of them had it in his contract that he had final say, and that's not good. All right, John. So, yeah, that's big news. Mike Vrabel getting fired. That leave that that gives us six openings plus whatever the hell's going on in New England right now, by my count. Um, so that's actually a good lead in. Bobby Slowick, the Texans' offensive coordinator, um, has already gotten two requests for interviews, and there may be more coming. Who knows? But Carolina and Washington both putting in requests to interview Bobby Slowick. John, I tweeted this yesterday. D'Amico Ryan's in one year has officially had more of his offensive assistants requested for head coaching interviews than Bill O'Brien had his offensive assistants requested through six years as the head coach here. 
no request last year for Pep Hamilton, huh? No, not that I, yeah, they, no, no Pep Hamilton. Yep, well, yep. He's already exceeded Lovey Smith and David Culley as well, yes. And Slowick began his career in quality control with Washington under Mike Shanahan. That's how he met Kyle. There's no way they're going to hire Bobby Slowick. They want somebody to hit a home run, a name, you know, whether it was Bill Belichick or, or Jim Harbaugh or Mike Vrabel. They're trying to get a stadium built. And Bobby's not stupid. He's not going to go work for David Tepper. I believe Bobby Slowick, like D'Amico Ryans, like Kevin O'Connell of Minnesota, will do, and like last year, Ben Johnson, the Lions, will do an interview or two and then decide, I need another year as a play caller. And I think he'll be back next season. I've been saying that all along. I think then, after next season, because we got to think they're probably going to still be good and better, maybe even better. He might have better offers, more offers, and then I think he'll be gone and Dry Johnson will be elevated to offensive coordinator. I see a lot of lame brains out there saying you got to have an offensive head coach. And I'm thinking, okay, they think because if your offense plays well, your coordinator is going to get a head coaching job. Well, that means he's left you in really good shape. And there are some defensive coordinators around the league, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, uh, Sean McDermott, uh, Mike Vrabel, now D'Amico, that are doing quite well. Matt Eberflus finished well. The key is just to have a good offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, whether you were an offensive head coach or not. And uh, so uh, I think Bobby will be head coach next year. Probably be more than just Bobby Slowick off this staff, eventually be head coaches. Yeah, I, I would encourage him to take every interview he gets asked to go on, you know, just to get the experience of interviewing. Um, and, and what it's like to sit across from an owner. And that way, when you really do want the job or when, um, you know, when you feel you are ready, then the interviewing part will be, you know, that, that'll be, that'll feel second nature to you. You know, that's, that, that is, you know, that is a, a, a can be a, can be a strange environment if you haven't been in it before. Um, so I, yeah, I would encourage him to take the interviews. I think too, John, I, I love Bobby Slowick. I think he's done an awesome job this year. I don't know that we're going to wind up with as many openings as people thought. There were only five last year, so everybody thought, oh, there's only five last year. That means this year there's going to be nine or ten or whatever. We're at six now. New England is this weird sort of thing over in the corner. If it's a job market that has Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, and Mike Vrabel, all three out there, I feel like that's three jobs already taken. So now and I feel like Ben Johnson's going to get one too. That he feel, It feels like he's the best coordinator name out there, the guy that can take his pick of a job which leaves three jobs. You know, I, I just, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if the musical chairs are going to be do Bobby Slug any favors if he were to want the job. And I'm with you. I think your overall take is a good one, which is ultimately he probably comes back a for a little more seasoning and B the Texans have a chance to do some really special things next year too. Um, you know, the good he knows he needs more play calling than one season. I think when they see Bobby, he's 36 going on 16. Yeah. David Tepper probably think, well, I can bounce him on my knee and pull the strings and he'll do everything I tell him. And that's a job I'm most intrigued to see what happens. Not yeah. New England, not the Raiders, not the Chargers. I can't wait to see which coach is dumb enough to go to work for David Tipper. The, which coach is, is going to be the next interim coach, one of his coordinators. Because that man, unless he has a total lobotomy, and all of a sudden decides to operate like the McNair. Stay out of it. Give them the money you want, they need, and then stay out. He fired his GM, Scott Federer, as well. And I know there's only 32 of those jobs, but I would be shocked 
if Bobby Slowick were to go to the Carolina Panthers? Someone's going to take it. I mean, someone's going to want a payday. You know, it is. It's a big, 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 big payday. So someone, someone's going to. Frank Rich. Frank Rich is available. Frank Rich. <laughs> Listen, Rich. What do you call it? Rich. I don't know, but it was disrespectful. It wasn't right. Whatever, that's for sure. Whatever it was. And that's it wasn't what they're the going to have to get. A yeah. coach who's been another head coach fired somewhere is desperate retread. to back a retread. Exactly. Yep, retread. That's not going to get anybody fired up. And one of the things coming out of Carolina from the knowledgeable media people, and this I could see this from the get-go. They had too many people talking to Bryce Young. Frank Reich and they had Jim Caldwell, and then they had uh, – uh, Josh McCown. Josh McCown, and then whoever was the offensive coordinator. Thomas Brown. Was, uh, yeah, the first time coordinator. It was just too many cooks in that kitchen. Well, hopefully, for Bryce's sake, that changes. But what a mess that is in Carolina. So now you're talking, John, of the four top drafted quarterbacks in this past draft, uh, two of them are going to be going on their second coach and offensive Ooh. coordinator in two years. In Bryce Young's case, it'll be like three because he, he had an interim for a little while as well. But Bryce Young, the first pick, Will Levis, the 33rd pick. Both going to be going on second coaches in their second year, um, and CJ, what boy, what a perfect marriage for CJ's sake and the Texans' sake, just incredible. And if you think about it, Bryce Young ran a pro offense under Bill O'Brien with Alabama, so that'd be a fourth, fourth terminology, fourth system already, and yeah. that's a recipe for disaster for quarterbacks who are young. The worst thing you can do is keep changing coaches and systems and terminology. It's hard enough to play anyway, but that's what happens when you have owners who are quick on the trigger, listen to the wrong people, or just don't know what they're doing. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yep. All right, John, um, we're going to get to general news and notes in a second. We're going to get to the mailbag as well. If you want to email the mailbag for next time, mailbag at gmail.com. John, Nick Casario was on with me and Seth this morning, and we asked him about the rumors that had popped up last week that he would be open to going back to New England. A Jason LaCamfora article, it's probably all that needs to be said, but a Jason LaCamfora article where he quoted a, an opposing GM that said, oh, yeah, he would go back there. Trust me, which and we all had the same reaction you did, John. But we asked Nick about that this morning. He had to address stuff like this last year, too, at about this time. He he went in. I mean, he was I don't know if you saw or heard the cut, but he was angry. He was I mean, I've got some of the, the, the words he used in the 90 seconds that he went off on this jackass statement. 
uh, is what he said that that general manager, he said someone making a jackass statement that it's silly season, um, offhanded statement, uh, out of left field, zero validity, ridiculous, zero basis. Those were all things that he said within 90 seconds. That was as heated as I've ever seen or heard Nick Casario, who never gets heated about anything. He was none too happy with the rumors, and he made it very, very clear. He is very excited, <clears throat> understandably so, about the opportunity that he is currently working with right now. Wish he was that good when he talks to us. He's never to ever talk like that. I bring out the best. I we bring out the best in him, John. (laughs) This goes back to before the draft when uh, I had two prominent national people call me and tell me they heard Casario's going back to New England after the draft. And I said, Well, there's a couple problems with that. Number one, Bill Belichick has total control and he couldn't wait to get out of there. And he tried to come here three times and it was third time was a charm because the rule changed. So he's not going back there with Belichick, but people up there think that everybody wants to work there because they want all those Super Bowls with Brady. Nobody in their right mind is going to want to replace Bill Belichick. You just don't. And uh, maybe Mike Vrabel go back. He'd be the perfect one because he's beloved up there and he won rings and he's in their Hall of Fame. And uh, he would be the ideal replacement, especially since he could get a quarterback he wants in the draft. But the Casario thing just won't die, and it's all because of people in the East. Who, and and maybe that GM did, did tell uh, Nola confirm of that, that he thinks that's true, because he's heard that. People don't just make up stories. They get them from somewhere. Usually it's agents. But I'm so glad Nick shot it down with you and Seth, because maybe people now will drop it, because he's got a great situation. He's got... Oh. The coach he likes, the quarterback he likes. He's got cap money. He's uh, he's just finished his third year of a six-year contract. He's got a $5 million bonus if they win the Super Bowl. He's got to feel a whole lot better about that now <laughs> than he has any other time since he got to Houston. Hold up. Back up. I, I had not heard that. He's got a $5 million bonus if they win the Super Bowl? Yeah, five years, $30 million with an extra five Super Bowl bonus. I think that's what it was. Okay, well, that's uh, that 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 is a pretty tasty. It may, reason it may have to do with winning each each tier. Sure, to win the Super Bowl. I'm okay. not sure, but he's got a humongous bonus if they win the Super Bowl. That's outstanding. And yeah, that looked I, pretty I, safe when he got here because they knew they're going to have to turn the tear the whole thing down and start over. But right now, I'm guessing he's feeling pretty good about it. John, to leave here to go anywhere, honestly, like I, I think, you know, after the season's over, they're going to, you know, they're going to be those articles that come out where <clears throat> they take, you know, a guy like Bill Barnwell will do an article where they start to look at the teams, not just how they're looking going into 2024, but what the next three or four years look like for them. You know what I mean? Like this, these are the foundational pieces they have. This is the draft capital. This is the cap space. Here's what the division looks like. Ba, 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 ba. If you were to do, say, just call it a three-year outlook, because three years is forever in the NFL, to wit, the Texans are in the playoffs this year. Um, If you did a three-year outlook for the Texans, I I think you'd have a hard time finding, like, five teams that have a better outlook than the Texans over the next five years, considering C.J. Stroud on a rookie contract, hottest head coach, you know, know, the, the hottest head coach under 40, let's call it, like young, rising head coach, owners that just want to pour money into it and just stay the hell away. Draft capital galore, cap space galore. Um, I, I don't like it's it's completely irrational for anybody to think that any GM, barring personal reasons, would want to leave here to go almost anywhere else, given their choice. 
when I was watching the snow on Belichick on the sidelines Sunday, I'm thinking, sure, you can't wait to get back up there while it's 65 <laughs> bright sunshine here. The Texans arrow is definitely pointing up. And yeah. I thought when you said that, maybe about the Lions, uh, because the Lions t- started their turnaround midway through the 2022 season, and now they've won their division. But they could lose both their coaches. And then you got to make sure you have good ones. Philadelphia lost both its coaches, and that hadn't worked out so well for the Eagles. But uh, I think that this is the first time that, that Hannah, Janice, and Cal McNair can go, whew, yeah, and relax and yep. just enjoy the fruits of their labor and hiring Casario and then signing off when he recommended D'Amico yep. and drafting Stroud and the trade. For Will Anderson Jr. They 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 have trust from Nick Casario on down that they can just let the football operation go do its thing. Just go do just go go be the best version of you. And that might be good enough to win a Super Bowl. I have a column um, on sportsreo610.com talking about exa- a great example of them. Their management style is in the game Saturday, while Miko and the players and the coaches were jumping around like crazy. Casario was nowhere to be seen, and you had to look real hard in the back of the room to find Cal McNair and Hannah McNair, where a lot of owners be in there jumping around with them. Uh, I think that's perfect kind of management style they have, which is stay in the background. Oh, Ursay would have been in there with his hands doing (laughs) Dixie's swarm. D'Amico be giving his speech there, like, hey, man, this is what it's all about. We punched our ticket. And Ursa would be like, let me jump in there, D'Amico. You're right. It's all about punching a ticket. If like the, the Cowboys- time I punched a ticket to the Copa, we were in the back doing lines, man. It was crazy. Cowboys, if they get into the Super Bowl, you think Jerry Jones not going to be in the <laughs> middle of that locker room Jerry- celebrating? Jerry- Jerry's going to give the game ball to himself. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so we're all happy. Nick Casario kicking around as the uh, GM of the Houston Texans. Good stuff. You can find the podcast of the full Casario interview. We did about 40 minutes with him commercial free today. Uh, you can find it on the podcast on the very Odyssey app. You might be listening to this on wherever you get your podcast. Um, it's on the Payne and Pendergast podcast. All right, John, general news and notes, and then we'll do a mailbag. What do you have for the people today? I have a column that I'm going to do on this on Wednesday, and I looked up some stuff. Joe Flacco was a rookie in 08, first-round pick, and when he was drafted, Stroud was seven. Column's <laughs> going to be about the, the new and the old. And uh, when uh, he played his last season in Baltimore, uh, Stroud was in high school, He was, and then he was a – I'm sorry, he was, yeah, he was in last, and then when Stroud had his last season where he threw for more touchdown passes than he has in five games, uh, CJ was a freshman playing behind Justin Fields at Ohio State. And uh, also, CJ Stroud is the third quarterback, not third rookie, but the third quarterback. Mm. To lead the NFL in average passing yards game and touchdown to interception ratio. Now, I don't know if you've heard of these other two guys. Their name is Montana and Brady. Montana in 1989 and Brady in the year they went undefeated 
in the regular season and lost to the Giants. Yep. Now, one of the players who's going to have to play great against uh, Amari Cooper is uh, Derek Stingley Jr. Derek Stingley Jr. has been mostly fantastic since he came back from that stint on injured reserve with a hamstring injury. But in that game against the Browns, he was he was his receiver was targeted four times. Mm-hmm. They had three catches, forty three yards, one touchdown. He had an interception, and the rating against him was one hundred nine point four. So Derek Stingley, like all the DBs, has got to play better against Joe Flacco a Saturday afternoon. That's saying something because I was watching a video before you and I started recording, John, uh, an NFL.com preview of the game that is very stat heavy. And Stingley's got one of the best passer rating against of quarter cornerbacks for the season anywhere in the league. He's given up a passer rating this year of like 54 and a half, like some ridiculously low number. Stingley's been excellent since he came back midway through the season. And yeah, that was, and, and you said three catches in that for 43 yards against three him. Catches, I, 43 yards, one touchdown, one yeah. interception and a rating of 109.4. Yeah, at least two of those were Cooper. Because the touchdown was Cooper, and Cooper also caught that fourth down. Remember when the Texans still had kind of like a glimmer of hope towards the end of the game? Like they somehow they managed to cobble their way back into the game, and they were onside kicking and things like that. There was a point with about four minutes to go in regulation where the Browns had a fourth down, and they went for it because they had no kicker. They could have kicked a field goal that would have made it a 17-point game, but they had no kicker because Dustin Hopkins pulled his hamstring. So they went for it on fourth and eight, and Cooper beat Stingley for um for a first down so at least two of those three were amari cooper going against Derek stingley i hope this old defense john has a has a a bug up their ass about what happened in that week 16 game they got embarrassed i I hope that this is where i hope like D'Amico ryan's knows exactly how to embarrass adults you know what i mean like exactly how to make them feel appropriately terrible about week 16 but in a motivational way for them to come out good in week 19 you know what i mean well their run defense was great couldn't have been better, but they stunk it up against the Colts, of course. I got one more from Pro Football Focus. Okay. Now, going over the last four games, now, edge rushers, and Jonathan Grenard should not be included in here because he didn't play enough. But Miles Garrett has the best grade from Pro Football Focus, 93.1. And there's a tie for second with 90.7, and one of them is Jonathan Grenard. Hmm. But the other one, Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett in the last four games has a rating of 90.7, tied for second among edge rushers behind Miles Garrett. That shows you the kind of bang for the bucks they're getting from Derek Barnett, who's earning him some money. Yeah, John, boy, it's scary to think about this defense if they hadn't made the pickup of Barnett. T.R. Tart, who we know is going to probably get some snaps again this week. Um, and, and Kareem Jackson got a few more snaps in the last game, you know, with that lack of depth, they have at safety. Kareem Jackson's going to wind up probably playing some important snaps for this team somewhere along the way here through this playoff run, but especially Barnett. I mean, Barnett's looked like a guy they signed in free agency to a decent contract in the off season. They got him off the waiver wire in like week 10 or something like that. He looks like he was a first round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles because he's played so much better here than he played there. And they could use him right now because their defensive line has been terrible in this terrible closing stretch that the Eagles have had in crunch time. What's scary about this Cleveland game, if Grenard's out again, if Will Anderson's almost helpless like he was against the Colts because of his ankle injury, Jerry Hughes left, 
If he can't come back, Dylan Horton's been on our forever. So that's four ends. Then other than Derek Barnett, who's going to play in? They're going to have to get a big push from those tackles. Mujai Sanders, I guess, would be the other one, the other body that's out there. I'd uh, think about putting one of those tackles out there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, all right, let's uh, that's John, all good news and notes. Good news and notes, John. No, that that was good stuff. I love anytime you come with CJ Stroud compared to uh, generational Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, like he and two other, he and two other, uh, you know, basically statues. And one of them's not in the Hall of Fame. Only one of them's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Joe thank Montana. you, John. Brady's appreciate, the, yeah. appreciate the well actually on that. Yeah, Brady's still got to go through the process, right? He's yeah, still got to go through the ringer of you and forty nine of your friends. Where the where the presenter, uh, Ron Borges, doesn't even need to stay up. They'll say Tom Brady, and we'll say shut up. Next, next candidate. <laughs> Are there any other time? Are there any other eligible ones, Sean, or not soon to be eligible ones, like retired? We know that they're coming up that are like that, that it's just like well, I hope Tom Brady. Watt. I hope they don't want me to recite everything on Watt. I will. Yeah. But uh, he should be a lock, he and Brady. Yeah, he and Brady. And I guess that's it as far as like retired guys it's floating around. Brady's going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Assume you're right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to all those Boston people up at uh, JJ's induction. That's I wish JJ had just come back for a game this year just to push it back one more year. Maybe get all those Wisconsin people to come as well as well as I'll Texas hang out with them. them. I like them. Drink that spotted cow or whatever yeah, it is. JJ likes cow. to drink spotted cow. All right, you ready to do some uh, mailbag here, John? Let's do it. All right, mailbag. H O U mailbag at gmail.com. We take your mailbag questions uh, each and every week. We've got about a half dozen of them here. Um, first one's from our guy, Chris in the ATL in Atlanta. Um, he says that, um, for real or Fugazi, he's giving you a for real or Fugazi, John. I like that when the uh, mailbag combines it, he said for real or Fugazi, the scramble and completion by Stroud to a diving Nico in their last scoring drive on second and 14 was the most impressive play of the season by CJ Stroud. Mm, I mean, boy, I, I will say for real because I can't think, go back over the whole season. That People have marveled him, at that as much as anything this year. It it's reminded right there in me the of the play that Watson made in the playoffs against Buffalo when he got sandwiched and, and completed the pass and the one where he got kicked in the eye against the Raiders and threw the touchdown pass. That play by that play was not a touchdown, of course, but it was amazing. Some people thought he threw it away. I did when he threw it. But listening to him explain where he was throwing to a spot when he saw Nico lean to turn and right, and it worked out perfectly. Yep, Nico described it on the post game with us. He said, yeah, man, just scramble drill. Saw my guy throw it up. I said, hey, I think I can go get that, and he went and got it. We asked Nick this same question today. I asked him, I said, hey, if I played word association, and I said, sick C.J. Stroud throw, you know, like a badass C.J. Stroud throw, what's the first one that pops into your head? And he thought, and he said, well, I mean, the one to open the game on Saturday is basically like a 75-yard handoff is what he said. <laughs> um, the one to Nico Collins, it was so well thrown. He, The other one he added to it when he had a chance to think about it was the Jacksonville, the first Jacksonville game early in the game, the one that CJ dropped in the bucket in between three defenders to Tank Dell down at the goal line there. That, that was which, a great one. That yeah. was a great one because that – and I'll tell you why that one was important, John. The Texans were 0-2 at the time. <laughs> And that was still early in that Jacksonville game. And if you remember in that Jacksonville game, Calvin Ridley dropped a touchdown pass. Otherwise, Jacksonville goes up 7 nothing in that game. And maybe that game starts to play out a little bit differently. But he dropped the pass. The, the Jags don't score. 
And and then that allowed the Texans to take a lead in that game, and they led the whole day after that. So um, I, I thought it was a really good answer. Uh, Chris also says, says I'm throwing in a, uh, a fun for real or Fugazi, but John probably already covered it. Steichen not handing the ball off to Taylor on fourth and one is one of the dumbest things that John – has ever seen. I sure as hell thought so, he says. For real or Fugazi? I think that's for real, even though they had done better run defense in the fourth quarter and Taylor was hurting. The fact of the matter is he is their best player, and you took the ball out of the best player's hands, and you put it into a quarterback who wasn't playing very well. They had great control of, of Gardner Minshew, and you throw it to a running back who had six catches in the year, and yes, it was open, and yes, he should have caught it, but the reason he didn't, because they went with the wrong guy. Yep. Um, all right, John, uh, this is from Hector. He says, if you were Bobby Slowick, which of the openings would you, which of the job openings would you be going after the hardest? Which one would you already know going into the interview? I'm not saying yes to these guys. So like each end of the spectrum of the six openings, and I guess just for the purposes of the audience, for the audience's sake, the six openings right now are, uh, Carolina, Las Vegas, the Chargers, Washington, Atlanta, and as of about an hour or two ago, Tennessee. Those are the six openings that currently exist. Which one would you be going after the hardest if you were Bobby Slowick? Uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, because they do have Justin Herbert. And yes, they have cap issues, but you can always work those out. The second one would be Atlanta. Falcons have a good defense. They have a really good running game, and they have some good skill position players. They need one position, a quarterback, and there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks available, whether they're in the draft or veterans moving around, and uh, that would be my second choice after the, the Chargers. And I don't, and I think Arthur Blank, Arthur Blank feels like a decent owner, right? I mean, yeah, they haven't had a, a ton owner. of success. Yeah, but, but he lets his guys do their thing, right? Yep. Yeah. Stays um, out of it, class act. Yep. I think the, the second question, which one, if you were Bobby Slow, could you already know going into the interview? I'm definitely not saying yes to these guys, but you're just doing the interview to do the interview. I think we covered that. That's got to be Experience, Carolina, right? And that would be Carolina. Every, yeah, that's, all young guys might be using that one. Yep, absolutely. All right, our guy JR in Spicewood checks in. Hey, guys, great win. I'm going to need plastic surgery to remove the smile from my face. Uh, that being said, we, can, we have to do a better job of not getting stupid penalties. Mr. I'm all pro. Laramie Tunsil cannot continue to shoot the team in the foot. If he is as good as he says he is, he shouldn't need to jump before the snap. Love the show. Welcome to the playoffs. Um, so yeah, that's uh I think I had that right. Is that well, not all pro? The all pro team had come out and won't to a Super Bowl when you're right. Right. Well, he was he was saying on in the loop he should be all pro. Is is yeah. it Laramie Tunsil was yeah. well is that, pro is what ball, that is pro bowl and and Players don't put as much stock in that like they used to. Yeah. They put it into the all-pro team. That's where most of their bonuses come from. It's a 50-man panel of writers, former coaches, general managers, players who are in the media who vote on that, and that is much more accurate and more prestigious. And I don't know if Laramie – I don't think he's been first-team all-pro. He might have been second. Mm -hmm. But uh, to me, you're either first-team or you're not. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons he does that, he's trying to overcompensate in that game because he's got a knee and a groin injury. But it's been an issue for him forever, and he's trying to get the jump on the uh, usually the opponent's best best pass rusher. All right, I got three more, John. Ryan from the Shug. I think the Shug is Sugarland, but I like that. The Shug. The Shug. The, Shug. the um, land, but that's Cleveland. Yeah, 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 right, right. The Shug. 
Um, he says, you guys are the real MVPs. Thanks for a great season of the Utopia podcast. You're welcome, Ryan. <laughs> he says, um, uh, the Texans made the playoffs. He said, the Texans made the playoffs! Ex exclamation point. There you go. Okay. He said, I'm thinking back to Sean after the Titans game when Dalton Schultz grabbed the ball out of the defender's hands. Paraphrasing here, but I think Sean said, looking back, this might have been a season-saving catch, end quote. Just pause on that. I, I, it may have been in retrospect a season-saving catch. Now that it took you know nine and eight wouldn't have gotten them into the playoffs. Um, he says, "What would you say are three season-saving plays from this past year?" He says, "I got tickets to the game on Saturday. Hopefully, we don't see any orange in NRD. Let's go Texans." John, can you other than the Dalton Schultz catch? Do you have other plays that come into mind for you? I've got a couple that pop into yeah, my head. I think that that pass to Nico Collins, in which he should have been sacked, and he ran around back there. Yep. Uh, for the first down, I think that was a great one. Another one he was great because they don't show this on TV, but like on the Nico Collins touchdown pass, he got clobbered. Yes. As soon as he threw the ball, he was clobbered. He knew the guy was coming. At the one down the middle on the winning drive, he got clobbered again. He just threw a rocket. He's so Collins, who had the horse, horse, horse collar tackle. Uh, to me, the play to to uh, Nico on the sideline, the play to Dalton Schultz where he did take it away from the guy, that was yep. a humongous play by him. And um, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, they had Kaimi Fairbairn's 54-yard field goal at the end of overtime to beat the yep. Titans or they wouldn't be in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, or it would have finished in a tie, and it would have been a little harder to make the playoffs for sure. Um, the uh, I had three that popped into my head just reading this question. Um, one is not the touchdown to Tank Dell in the Tampa Bay game at the end, but the play before it that set up the touchdown was, uh, I mean, one of the most incredible throws of the season from Stroud to Dell getting into that little soft spot in between the safety and the corner and setting up that touchdown in the last – 15 seconds of a game where if they lose that game, they're if they lose that game, then they're three and five to start the season, <laughs> you know, which is three and five, a lot different than four and four to start the season. So I think of that really both of those Dell plays at the end, um, Cincinnati, the, the play to Noah Brown to set up, uh, what's the guy, what was the kid's name? Manicotti, Amendola. <laughs> um, the the remember the play to Noah Brown to set up the field goal, John, where Noah Brown caught it and broke a couple tackles and got about 10 extra yards yep. to make it a much more makeable field goal. Yep. I think that one, and I think the Jimmy Ward interception to close out the Denver game was a save the season play, too. You're tied with Denver in the standings. You're six and five in that game. Seven and five, so much different than six and six at that stage of the season. Um, but that's a what a great question. That is, I mean, and, and John, it goes to show you that you and I that you and I are coming up with a half dozen of them like this goes to show you a, just how many close games they played in and B just how competitive they were this year. You know, like they, this has been fun. They've been in the playoff hunt all year long and they wake up division champions on in after week 18. It's, I'm going to make a amazing. column out of that once the season is over. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Two more, John Griff in Midtown of the following possibly available QBs this off season, which do you think will be most sought after Russell Wilson, Kirk cousins, Justin Fields, Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray's not going to be available. He's they've okay. already said they're keeping him. I think Justin Fields will be traded, but Kirk Cousins has done things those other guys have never done, and they're talking about trying to keep him in Minnesota. And he's 
trying to figure if he wants a hometown discount because he's made so much money. And uh, but I would say Kirk Cousins. Cousins of those three. Yeah, I would say he's a free agent, right, John? Cousins. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd say Fields only because I think a team might trade for Fields if the Bears are of mind to take Caleb Williams. Do you think Fields? Do you think Fields gets traded this offseason, John? I do. Yeah. He's got one more year, and if he does well, you got to sign him to a monster contract yeah. where you can take Caleb Williams or Drake May, and you got them for four years or three if you wanted to sign him to an extension early and you don't wait to wait to pick up the fifth-year option. Yeah. I think, yes, they're going that way. And Phil's through for 100-and-something yards Sunday, and and he just is not consistent. All these people around the country, oh, they keep – the Justin Fields I keep hearing people talking about is not the one I'm reading about. And I have to admit yeah. I don't watch him play, but they're talking about that Caleb Williams could be one of the all-time top prospects. Justin Fields is not. No, no. I, I'm skeptical about any QB who's a throwing QB going to Chicago, though. That's that's a horrible place That's the place truth. To go. It's a terrible yeah. place. That's terrible why they place. don't ever have a guy throw, going back throughout their history. They've never had a great touchdown passing quarterback who threw a lot of touchdown yeah. passes. Yeah. I mean, if C- Caleb Williams' camp has made as much noise as any top quarterback about being choosy about where they – you know, not, you're not choosy because they don't really choose, but at least like raising a ruckus in trying to get to the right place – I, I would do it to not go to Chicago if I were him. If you're if, they, if you're mind to try to manipulate where you go, if Chicago has the first pick, then you better press that button and go ahead and start manipulating. You know what I mean? Or you tell them, I'll be happy to come there, but I want that new stadium to have a roof on it. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Caleb Williams gets a roof on the stadium and then he becomes a, a bust. Lot, that would be a difference maker. Yep. All right, last one, John. This is from Frank. He said the Texans schedule got a whole lot harder with them winning the AFC South, they pick up Baltimore, Kansas City, and Dallas on next year's schedule. Where do you guys fall in that dynamic? Are you more excited about the marquee games, or are you more nervous that there's a few more losses possibly on the schedule? John, which school of thought are you when it comes to playing a first-place schedule? Well, first of all, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about the playoffs and the Browns, and yes, it's going to be a lot tougher, and they could be a better team and have a lesser record. You know, when they played in 2020, that first four games were brutal. And then O'Brien got fired because they kept getting pounded. And then they played Jacksonville, Romeo Cornell won. But it depends on how they line them up. You know, Arizona was the extra game this year. Now they get a trip to to Arlington against the Cowboys as the extra game because they're playing the NFC North. But if you want to win and you want to be a big boy, you got to play with a big boy. So why not? They're going to have – so many primetime games, and I would love to see them playing on at 3.30 on Thanksgiving afternoon. Cowboys, Texans, Dak Prescott, oh. C.J. Stroud. Don't tempt me with a good time. John, I'll just put, I'll, I'll put this in perspective. By the way, uh, Frank, I am the, I'm in the excited about the marquee games category. I love looking. If you have a good enough team, you're going to win your share of games. Let's go have some fun and watch some big marquee matchups, get some primetime games get some crowds back in the stadium, all that stuff. John, I'll put this in perspective for you because it's not just that they play a really hard schedule next year. They played a pretty easy schedule this year. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just, hey, it's hard this year, but it's a little harder. It's like, no, you were playing like a, you know, like the equivalent One of like of the a, three easiest in the NFL. Yeah, you're playing like a, a group of five schedule this year, and now you're in the SEC next year is what it is kind of. So, um who would you say? I would say the best quarterbacks the Texans played this year were Lamar Jackson for sure, 
Joe Burrow for sure. Who's the third best quarterback they played this year? Do you think? And I'll just fire some names out there. You think it's Trevor Lawrence? Okay. I can't Trevor remember Lawrence. who else they played. Baker Mayfield. Um, they played uh, Russell Wilson. They played Bryce Young. They played Desmond Ritter. Derek Carr. They played Derek Carr, John. Ooh, Derek Carr. Um, they played Gardner Minshew a couple of times. They played Will Levis a couple of times. They played Joe Flacco uh, down the stretch. Point being, they played a schedule this year where the third best quarterback they played let's say it's Trevor Lawrence lost five of six down the stretch and is being vilified in his city right now. That's the third best quarterback they played on their schedule this year. Next season, John, they play all three pro bowl quarterbacks from the AFC, (laughs) Lamar Jackson, Tua and Patrick Mahomes. Oh yeah. And the first alternate Josh Allen, they play all four of those guys. Oh yeah. Who else do they play? Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott. (laughs) Um, uh, who am I missing? Uh, let's see. They cross over. Oh, Jared Goff. He's pretty good. He's, he's been, he's been really good. Jordan love 18 touchdowns, one interception the second half of the year. They're, Caleb I mean, Williams with the bears. It could be Caleb Williams with the bears. Yeah. Or if Caleb Williams or Justin Fields, either one of them are, you know, like are competent or, you know, we don't know what Williams is, but it'll be exciting for him to come to NRG stadium. My point being with all this is that the, the, eighth best quarterback they play next year might easily be the third best quarterback they would have played this year. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy. They lost to Zach Wilson, Desmond. Yeah. Ritter, and yeah. Bryce Young. They sure did. They got to tighten that up next year for sure. Uh, all right, John, that's it. What do you got going on on the website? I'm doing a column on Wednesday for Flacco versus Stroud old versus new. I've got one up there. I've actually got two up there. And of course we'll post our, three Utopia football podcasts this week. And then on Friday, I'll have five things to watch in a game versus the Browns, which I think will look a whole lot different than uh, the game on Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it better. It better. Yeah. So we got our episode on Thursday. You got all that stuff on the website, sportsradio610.com. And, John, we've got uh, the Texans countdown coming up on Saturday afternoon. I'm doing the math. We'll kick off at 3.30, which means you'll be joining us probably like around 2.45 or so. I so look forward to it. Yeah, Hope if you're listening to this sunshine. I think it should be. Yeah, if, if you're going out to the game, uh, stop by and say hello. John's going to be out there chopping it up with me and Seth in the pregame. We got playoff football in Houston. I can't believe it. This is awesome. Uh, all right, John, good stuff. Enjoyed it as always. Thank you very much, Sean. All right. Um, Big thanks to James Jackson, our producer, for getting the podcast out to all you guys. So very, very quickly, putting up all the content, all the video content that you see. Uh, Maybe you stream the podcast on on YouTube. If you do, that's great. If you get your podcast sent to you on uh, on your phone or whatever device you listen to the podcast on, click the subscribe button. If you don't already, we appreciate that. Tell a friend to click the subscribe button, especially if they're a Texans fan. This is an exciting time of year to be a Houston Texans fan. So for James and John, I'm Sean. We are out of time. We will see all of you on Thursday for the next episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.